The work will be finished during a very short time of great tribulation. And those Jews during the tribulation who come to a knowledge of the truth, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah who is coming back, will be saved to enter the kingdom age. All others will be killed. We'll be finishing up Romans, getting into 1 Corinthians this week. We'll get started on that right after this. Thank you guys once again. You're so awesome for joining me this week on another episode of Connecting the Gap. I'm Daniel Moore, your host of this podcast. Thank you for coming this week and check out where we're going with our study on prophecies of the Bible. We're going to wrap up Romans this week. And as I said in the intro, we'll be getting into 1 Corinthians as well. And don't forget to go to my website, connectingthegap.net. There you'll find out everything about my ministry, all my platforms, the apps you can download, the links for YouTube and Rumble, and much more. Again, check that out on connectingthegap.net. Well, we're going to go ahead and just get started into this and try to get as far as we can today as we're working our way towards Revelation. We're starting out in Romans chapter 9 today. And we're going to be reading verses 27 to 29. In this passage of Scripture, there's something to cry about. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed... He would have become like Sodom, and we would have been made like Gomorrah. Here we have three verses and three different thoughts about Israel and the tribulation period. First of all, in verse 27, Paul is saying that the prophet Isaiah was crying over Israel when he said, even though there will be a great number of Jews, only a remnant or a few within Israel who trust God will be saved. It grieved Isaiah to know that out of a large number of Jews, only a small percentage will be saved. Secondly, in verse 28, Paul is expressing the certainty or the determination of God to execute his judgment swiftly and completely. And thirdly, in verse 29, Paul is saying that it will be like the prophet Isaiah said once before. If the Lord Almighty does not intervene to save a remnant, the nation will be like Sodom and Gomorrah. The startling truth here is that God will be forced to intervene to keep the entire nation from being corrupted and destroyed. The pulpit commentary states, hence the relevance of the passage not only as showing God's way of dealing with his people in times of old, but also as an intimation of how it should be when the Messiah should come. Some ask, why would God allow the world to go through the tribulation period? But look at what will happen if he doesn't. All Israel will be corrupted and destroyed. Is it not an act of love and grace that he refuses to let that happen? The things the Bible predicts will happen to all the earth during the tribulation period are horrible indeed. But the awesome truth is that even worse things will happen if the world should somehow escape that terrible time. Even though the tribulation period will only last seven years, the percentage of Jewish survivors will be small. This will include the 144,000 sealed servants of God, plus those who flee to the mountains when the Antichrist defiles the temple. 
In Romans chapter 11, verses 25 to 27, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins. In this passage of Scripture, he's stating to not get a big head. It is clear to Christians that Jesus is the Messiah, but unclear why most Jews, not all because the early Christians were Jews, will not accept him as their Messiah. It was a mystery or a hidden truth in Paul's lifetime, but it is not one now because Paul chose to explain it. The main points of this scripture are as follows. First, blindness in part has happened to Israel, means part of the nation has been blinded by ignorance. The blindness in part is not a partial or incomplete blindness and ignorance of every Jew. It is a definite blinding of most Jews, but not blinding of some of them. This explains why a few in every generation accept Jesus as their Messiah and how there is always a remnant or a few within Israel who trust God in existence. Secondly, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in means the blindness in part is not permanent. The end of the blindness depends upon when God receives all the Gentiles or the non-Jews. In other words, the blindness in part will continue until the church is raptured. At that point, God will seal the 144,000, call the two witnesses, and use his angels to evangelize the nation. Thirdly, all Israel will be saved does not mean everyone who calls himself a Jew will be saved. It means everyone that God recognizes as a Jew will be saved. Think of it like this. Not everyone who calls himself a Christian is a Christian by God's reckoning, and in like manner, not everyone who calls himself a Jew is a Jew by God's standards. With God, it is a matter of faith and not ancestry. During the tribulation period, most of the Jews will perish in the wars against Israel. But 144,000 sealed Jews, all those who obey Jesus and flee into the mountains, when the Antichrist defiles the temple, and a few out in the country will be saved. But obedience to Jesus is the key. Fourth, verse 26 can be linked to several Old Testament passages. The Deliverer is Jesus, and Zion is Jerusalem. This means Jesus will establish his throne in Jerusalem and issue his decrees concerning Israel and the world from there. Verse 27 tells us that God will remove the hardening because he made a covenant to take away Israel's sin. He promised to make the Jews his people and to be their God, and that will happen. John F. Walverd was quoted, The answer to the question of whether God rejects his people is answered by the fact that God has not rejected them, but will carry out his purposes as indicated in prophecy. Noah Hutchins was quoted, If the Jewish nation today was converted to faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, then the Bible would not be true. And Dwight Pentecost was quoted, Paul has previously declared in Romans 9-6 that God is not numbering all the physical seed of Abraham as descendants, but that the promises are to those who are in faith. Thus we understand the all Israel in Romans 11-26 to refer to this believing remnant, the believing Jews at the second advent or the second coming of Christ. Just remember, God is not through with Israel. The nation and the people have a definite role to play in the future. After the rapture, God will begin to remove the hardening. Those Jews who survive the tribulation period will turn to Christ at his second coming.
Wrapping up Romans in chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Here Paul is asking why one Christian would judge or look down on another. He reminds us that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and be required to bow down and make confession. Instead of passing judgments on others and condemning them for their failures, he is suggesting that we instead concentrate on cleaning up our own lives. This means each one of us. The judgment of Christians is not the same as the judgment of non-Christians. Christians will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Our eternal destiny will secure because of our faith in Christ, but our works will be judged to determine what heavenly rewards we will receive. Non-Christians will appear before the great white throne judgment of God. Their eternal destiny will not be secure because they have not had their name recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life for accepting Jesus. Many Christians never go to the altar at church to bow in the presence of God, but when we get to heaven, we will be compelled to do so and to account for such lapses. It would be much better to start now and avoid all the excuses. God is good. He asks us to serve Him, and He wants us to know that He will not overlook what we do. One reason for the rapture is to protect the church from the tribulation period. Another is for church members to receive the treasures they have laid up in heaven. Paul has some thoughts here as we wrap up Romans about the rapture. In Romans chapter 2, verse 7, following Jesus and doing good will be rewarded with eternal life. In Romans 2, verse 10, glory, honor, and peace will be given to all those who do good or follow Jesus. In Romans chapter 5, verse 9, the blood of Jesus will deliver the saved from God's wrath. In Romans 8, 17, and 18, believers who suffer for Christ will share in the glory of Christ. We now move on into 1 Corinthians in our study this week. And we're going to start off with 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Paul was a missionary or a person called by God and sent by a church to serve God and an expert at starting and building churches. He compared what he did to building a building and warned that all buildings should be built with great care, especially spiritual buildings like the church. God laid the foundation for his church when he sent his son Jesus. Anyone who tries to build on any other foundation is rejecting the one God has already laid, and that will not work with God. Anyone who builds a building must choose the kind of materials to build with, whether if it's steel, brick, wood, or straw, and some materials are better than others, such as brick is better than straw. Those who want to build a spiritual building, or the church, with their life, must choose between indestructible high-quality materials like gold, silver, and costly stones 
sound Bible doctrines like the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and holy living, and destructible low-quality materials like wood, hay, and straw, or the unsound, feel-good, no-demand doctrines. All structures face the test of high winds, hard rains, heat, or cold, and all spiritual buildings face the day of judgment. These will test the quality of the builder's work. Builders who want their buildings to stand should use the best materials. Builders of spiritual buildings who have used indestructible, high-quality materials will receive a reward in heaven because what they did will survive the day of judgment. Builders of spiritual buildings who have used destructible, low-quality materials will survive but suffer great loss and have no reward. Arnold Fruchenbaum was quoted saying, If a believer is doing the will of the Lord, obeys his commandments, and fulfills the ministry for which he received his spiritual gifts, then he is building on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones. But where he falls short of these things, he is building wood, hay, and stubble. Jesus told a story about two men who built themselves a house. One man dug deep and built his house upon a rock, but the other men built his house on top of the ground. Later a storm came, it rained and river got out of its banks. Floodwaters beat vehemently upon both houses. The house built upon the rock stood, but the house that built on the ground collapsed. A giant flood cannot do such to a large rock, but it can turn the ground into mud and wash it away. Building materials are very important from the foundation to the top of the building. Notice that the main issue is the quality of the building materials, not the quantity. A small amount of gold, silver, and costly stones will survive a fire, but a huge mansion of wood and straw will not. Some believers will receive a reward in heaven, even though they didn't build very much, because they used the right materials. Other believers will receive no reward in heaven, even though they built all their life, because they didn't use the right materials. What kind of building materials are you using? Many people have no thought to their heavenly reward, but God wants us to build the biblical way so we can be rewarded fully. That which honors Jesus is worthy of a full reward. That which doesn't honor Him is worthless. This principle will be very important when the believer stands before the throne on Judgment Day. We're going to wrap it up for today with that passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians. Next week, we'll continue on into 1 Corinthians as we continue our study on prophecies of the Bible, and we'll probably get into 2 Corinthians and possibly Galatians next week as well. We're moving right along here as we get closer to Revelation. Thank you once again for joining me this week on Connecting the Gap as we've uh, had a new episode here for this week in our study. Don't forget to visit my website, connectingthegap.net. Visit my Facebook page, my Twitter. Like, follow, and share our post each week to people that would benefit from this study for people that need to know about God and His Word and what the plans are for our life as we approach the end days that we are living in today as Jesus is coming back soon and we all need to be prepared and be ready. As I leave today, don't forget that God's Word never fails us. God's Word has stood the test of time and through Jesus' death on the cross, He has connected the gap. (laughs) 